Greetings, everybody. We appreciate having you here today. If you're a steady supporter of Kamidogu, we welcome you back, my friend. And of course, if you're new here, it's always a highlight to see a new face. Do us a big favor and click follow or subscribe wherever you listen or watch the podcast, as it really helps us out. This current special is really something striking to me. I only wish my brother Christopher could be here today, but unfortunately there were some restrictions on his end, and he was not able to attend the special. Nevertheless, you can expect to see him soon on a future episode. The reason today really strikes a note with me is we don't only have an actor from Mortal Kombat Conquest, but we have the main protagonist from the series. Paolo Montalban played a character that resonates with each and every Mortal Kombat fan. The story of the tournaments is incredibly important, and given its history, there was once an undefeatable champion of Earthrealm, the Great Kung Lao. Conquest was a highly successful television show that was legitimately number one for its time. Paolo was involved in 22 episodes total and really left a mark. You can catch him on some other great movies, such as 1997's Cinderella, which really brought him a lot of limelight in the industry. Well, also, there's a phenomenal war epic called The Great Raid, which features some big names, such as James Franco, Sam Worthington, and Benjamin Bratt. Paolo plays Sergeant Valera and does a lovely job here as well. Be sure to check that out. But now to switch over to a real-life champion. He's dabbled in film, Broadway, music. Let's get Paolo in here and start talking all things Mortal Kombat, as well as the great successes in his career. Okay, everyone. Joined with us now is Paolo Montalban. For such a MK Conquest fanatic as myself, today is truly a big deal. So, Paolo, I just wanted to start off by saying a little something. Uh, your character of Kung Lao was literally my role model growing up. Uh, what? Yes. Your character was so incredibly special. Watching the show in the 90s is easily one of the greatest memories I have, and it was something to look forward to every week. In my younger days, in the schoolyard for recess, I frequently used to pretend I was in the tournament with my friends and I'd always be Kung Lao. He was a hero in my book, fought for the forces of light, was caring, honorable, and I even remember I always had to style my hair like him. I just had to. I took up martial arts because of him and so forth. Uh, he left such a positive impression on me and uh, it would stand to reason that your work really is meaningful. Uh, it's amazing to have you on Kamidogu. Thanks for being here today, man. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Marcus, and thank you for the kind, kind, thoughtful words. My goodness. <laughs> uh, I don't know, this, is, is this a video or audio only? Are we, is it both? It's both, because, my friend. Okay, so uh, people out there, if you can hear me blushing over over the uh, <laughs> over the podcast, that's me because I'm, I'm just so honored uh, to be uh, spoken, or at least my work to, to be spoken of that way and the writing. Um, and the storytelling from uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest. Yes. Well, excellent. To start off today, Paolo, elaborate with us where your goal really started to, um, you know, become an actor. What were some of your childhood influences? Um, I would like to say that my childhood influences were probably higher up 
uh, in in uh, the age bracket. So I was probably in college, and I was really um, I was really impressed at the uh, diversity that Denzel Washington was bringing to the fore at the time. Um, there were very few um, Asian male role models in the uh, entertainment industry. Uh, some of them, um, you know, I mean, obviously there's Bruce Lee and yeah. and uh, Jason Scott Lee and Russell Wong. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there were just no guys at the level of Denzel. So I really wanted to style my career after him when I decided to, beca to become an actor. Um, and I wanted to make sure that the... Uh, the roles that I, I was doing uh, represented uh, diversity, uh, you know, across the spectrum. Yes, of characters. So, what was your first introduction to Mortal Kombat as a franchise? Whether it be through the arcades, oh. movies. <laughs> Marcus, Marcus, you don't want to know about this. You, you don't want to know about this. <laughs> I do. You, you, you don't want to know. You don't want to know that I used to cut class in college. Oh, <laughs> Mortal Kombat, the upright in the student center at Rutgers University. Sorry, teachers, but it paid off. It paid <laughs> off, right? It paid off. Yes, it did. It did pay off. Um, yeah, and I, I played it since the very beginning. I mean, back in the day when you would get a quarter and you you put it up in a little slot at the top of the arcade cabinet, you know, for your for your next turn up. Um, and I would play Scorpion and Sub Zero. And Raiden, uh -huh. um, in the first Mortal Kombat, there wasn't a Kung Lao yet, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's correct. And, um, I knew all the moves, you know, all the fatalities. I would buy the books, the books that have the, yes. the move sets in. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The guidebooks. Uh, so that was my first exposure to it. And obviously, when Mortal Kombat um, 2 came out, in the arcades, uh, Kung Lao is in addition, and uh, I believe that that is actually the present day Kung Lao, the one with the with the hat, the descendant of the great Kung Lao, um, who I played in uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest, and I actually really liked playing that Kung Lao because I mean he had a, he had a pretty badass fatality <laughs> with his hat, you know, I yeah. mean couldn't beat it, so. Um, yeah, that's that's my uh, my long storied history with the uh, the franchise. Right. Um, what did you think of uh, the first movie? Uh, did it really make an impact on you? The very first movie, the one with Robin Chu and yeah. Um, oh, do you remember the names of the other uh, actors in it? Christopher Lambert, Christopher uh, Lambert, Richard that's Wilson, right. Lyndon Ashby. Yes, 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 yes. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. I definitely saw. I mean, obviously, I had to see it. Right. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. I, you know, back then we didn't have a whole lot of great special effects. Yeah. So I, I, I thought, um, they did a pretty good job at assembling as many of the popular core characters, um, and putting them in one movie. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately at the time, you know, I feel like they were still a little gun shy as far as, um, um, putting that much gore on screen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is the most recent installment of, or the reboot of the uh, of the movie franchise. Uh, you know, really gave the fans what they wanted, including me. I was like, yes. 
if I'm not mistaken, I think on your 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 Twitter handle, you you posted a picture. You even bought like a Kung Lao mask. Oh yeah, yeah, I got the because <laughs> it was in the middle of the yeah. pandemic. Exactly. So I, I I got a I got myself a Kung Lao mask on Etsy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we've often heard that the auditioning process for Conquest was a, a, an unusually long process. Tell us about your experience here, the journey of getting the role and conclusively uh, what type of research you remember doing for the show and monk it well it was an unusually long process um and uh it wasn't so much a long process on my part as far as needing to do research uh for the, we're talking about the casting process yes. right okay the casting process yeah I, uh, for my part you know I didn't really need to do any research on on any of the characters because I knew all the characters I knew all the characters. I knew all the legend and the lore, and and you know, and by that time, PlayStation and Xbox maybe um, had you know some of the Mortal Kombat games on there. And then you know, at the end of like some of the character paths, if they won the game, you could see like a little mini story uh, of of their history yeah. that you never got before. Um, they, they also did that in the upright arc- arcade games. Uh, but the, the audition process was long. I remember spending a lot of time with Larry, Larry Kazanoff, Lawrence Kazanoff, who was the executive producer of Mortal Kombat Conquest. And, and, um, like, I think it was like four auditions with him. Uh, and maybe three of those auditions he brought, he brought a video camera and we would just do the the lines and some of the action action sequences to the camera to the camera that he brought um, yeah. in in a you know in a studio room in a small you know like audition studio room in in New York I'm sure he traveled between LA and New York to cast for it um, and then the fifth uh, audition uh, out was was out in LA and that's when uh, we tested uh, with the well uh, we tested for the producers so testing for the producers is you basically show up and sometimes they do a camera test uh where they have the actual rig that they're going to shoot with um okay. in the in the actual series but oftentimes it's just the entire studio that's there in the room or the executive producers all the decision makers and then uh, what they did was they mixed and matched uh the actors who were you know the final uh, callbacks yeah uh together so i i actually got to do a scene with the uh, with Kristana Loken <laughs> that day oh no way and, yeah 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 I, we i i was able to do a scene with her that day and i believe it was the scene where when we're breaking her out in one of the pilot episodes or breaking her out of the prison um so we had to like do this like make-believe thing like we're pushing a giant boulder out of the way <laughs> and it, was, it was just a chair it was just a chair in the room um but it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun and uh I'll be honest with you. I, I, I honestly think I, I got it because it was such a tall cast, and I was as tall as they were. Was a pretty tall cast. It's huh? a really tall cast. It, it was such a tall cast that like we yeah. all looked short on screen because there is no there's no height height difference. You know, we all looked like we were occupying the same space. Now, I I got a question. Uh, Bruce Lott brought it up to us, and even Adonis Meropis, uh, that they received a Mortal Kombat Bible, they call it, just so you could kind of do a little bit of research. Did you uh, receive this as well? If I did, um, I would like, I would be showing it to you right now. 
<laughs> I think I think Larry uh, liked the fact that I knew so much about Mortal Kombat already that he probably didn't have to give me a, a Bible. That is um, fair. <laughs> so uh, I want I want I want this limited edition uh, Mortal yeah. Kombat Bible though. It sounds pretty badass. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bruce still has it somewhere. Well, maybe he can make me a copy. <laughs> Um, Paolo, I understand you, uh, you have a background in the world of, uh, you know, musical theater with a little bit of, of judo even on top of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so naturally this really helped you during conquest with all the movements and choreography. Obviously there were a number of, uh, people who did stunts for your character, such as JJ Perry and, uh, Mike Christopher Lips. Christopher yes, Lips. Mike Christopher Lips was, was the main, um, uh, ah. stunt uh stunty for um for um kung lao yeah so uh but jj was the was the first two episodes definitely yes um the, a lot of shots <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i'm gonna say that yeah uh but i will say this i will say that uh all the stunt men and stunt women on the set were so generous with their time um and and their knowledge uh that i mean as far as as far as getting a, a crash course in in hollywood uh, kung fu you know you, you couldn't have a, a greater group of people to work with uh so they would pull me aside and and at least make you know make sure that i understood what looks good on camera with the moves that they were doing so i wasn't just uh so everything was actually very specific with the the moves that they were coming in coming out of yeah, and we I, we hope it played back then. I think it did. I think oh. they did an incredible job. Yes, I mean, they did. They yeah. did. Um, now, from what I could tell, it seemed like maybe around halfway in the series that you you got a lot more uh, oriented in the fight scenes. Like I could I could see you a lot more clear in, in certain shots. Um, can you, by small chance? Uh, remember any specific fights that uh, you re really remember having, you know, a big hand in? Oh, yeah. Um, they were, uh, they were usually, they were usually the fights with the minions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. I mean, <laughs> come on. and these are very talented minions, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they always had like, they're always like bandits or rogues or, you know, um, just minions from Outworld. Uh, no, there was, there was this one particular fight that, that I was, I was particularly, uh, uh, proud to be a part of, and it was outdoors once again, fighting the minions, uh, um, in the forest, in the forest, you remember <laughs> Marcus. Thank you. We were like, yeah, we were trying to save this family uh, from what I forget. Yep, I didn't know, but I mean, it's a very, it's a very nice family. Minions were out to, to get us. Um, you know, part of it, Marcus, is that. It was obviously later in the season, <laughs> and I was finally getting my my bearings with with the the action, uh, you know, the action sequences. But it was also the scheduling. The scheduling of the um, of the shoot finally found its groove, and they were able to balance out times when the first team, you know, when the when the when the main speaking actors would do their scenes, and when they could actually be pulled out to work with second team, the action unit. Um, I think at the beginning of it, they could, re they could really, really like pull us out just for, you know, close-ups and, and, okay. um, punch-ins. But, uh, but yeah, it was really, 
but that, that forest scene, we got to rehearse it and we got to, you know, do it multiple times and get multiple angles and uh, loved it. Oh, thanks so much for remembering that. That means a lot, Marcus. Thank you. Absolutely. I'll give you better. It was episode, I think, 15. It was The Serpent in the Ice. Oh, yes. right, right, right. Yeah, right. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely it was, a Scorpion and uh, a Sub-Zero uh, uh, episode. It was the the minions for uh, Scorpion's clan, Shirai Ryu, you're in the forest. So I want to ask you, how was it uh, wielding those hook swords, man? Scary. I mean, they're blood, but they're scary. <laughs> there's, there's a reason why big Hollywood stars don't do their own stunts, even if they know how to do their own stunts. You know, I mean, unless, of course, you're Tom Cruise and, and he's just actively, uh, you know, going out there and, and raising the insurance rates on every production <laughs> that he yeah. produces himself in fairness that he that he yeah. helps produce himself so yeah 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 that, it, but it was fun it was really fun i mean and also back then um i'm not saying that they were less careful with these kinds of things but it was a little it was slightly more wild wild west you know as as yeah. far as as far as safety procedures it's still very safe but you know, right on the edge, right on the edge of it, right on the edge. Of oh it. yeah, and it looked good. I mean, honestly, it looked good. So you know, we weren't always in darkness, in the action sequences. Yeah. What were some of the dynamics uh, with Kung Lao's character that made him so interesting to you know really explore in your mind? Was it the fact that he he had the weight of the world on his shoulders and all this responsibility, or do you feel there's uh, a lot more complexities in addition to that? Right. So I actually think the crux of, of his great struggle was, was having the knowledge that all of the people that he loved and care about in his life would pass away either due to old age or because, you know, or, you know, because maybe they were you know, taken by the forces of, of, uh, our world. Um, yeah. And, and having that knowledge and responsibility, maybe that's what vampires feel like. I think for them, that's good. But, you know, I think for someone who, who he's a monk. And yeah. so he understands the fleetingness of life. And to have that taking, taken away from you, I think is a, is a big deal because there really is no end in sight. Um, it's almost like that's his sole purpose in life is to, is to save Earth realm. Right. He doesn't get to actually have a life of his own. <laughs> a really unique episode for you was episode nine, Quan Chi. Your okay. character gets infected uh, with Quan Chi's vile sorcery, and the end result was a very aggressive and rather tainted version of Kung Lao, uh, filled with hatred, rage, even attacking his own monks. Uh, did you enjoy tackling this different attitude for Kung Lao? Uh, how was it to play the bad guy for a change? And would you say this was one of the more memorable episodes for you? Absolutely. It was definitely one of the more memorable episodes. <laughs> because that's when I got the bug. That's when I got the bug. It was like, ooh, Bruce and Bruce and Jeff get to do this every episode. <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Anybody out there who's an actor, you get a chance to play the villain versus the hero, play the villain. It's the best part of acting uh because then you can drop it and you can have a nice laugh um i remember jeff telling me this story we were where um you would go around uh some days as shao Kahn, and he'd really drop in you know into the character as soon as he as he got to set and 
people would just not talk to him because he was so scary. Uh, but but as far as um, my participation in that that episode, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun exploring the dark side of of Kung Lao. I mean, because you know, every single week we see him doing the right thing and the do gooder and and the white knight syndrome. <laughs> and uh, it's it's nice to see your heroes be three dimensional characters in that way to have flaws to know that those those dark urges are are just underneath the surface and it's it's actually a daily struggle to keep them suppressed beautifully said um now when it comes to adonim baropas uh i find that guy's an absolute genius and we hear he was always coming up with new ideas to make a scene unique did you have any great thorough conversations with him uh, amidst the making of that episode or any other ones no i i would just I would just, uh, because most of the time he was, most of his scenes were spent um, scheming against Kung Lao. So (laughs) we didn't really get to, we didn't really get to chat much uh, about his character work, but I I would sometimes watch him work. And it was just so much fun. I mean, talk about, talk about an actor chewing up the scenery and just savoring every moment of his character and, and, you know, his own personal minions. I mean, it, it was it was one of the the better guest stars definitely yes. um who who we had and uh uh i'm i think like i think honestly a quanchi spinoff would have been in order had we continued to run with it you know what i mean so entertaining just so entertaining i mean like he's he's almost like on the level of like you know like what you you want loki to win but not win <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> It's a little bit like that, a little bit of that anti-hero, anti-villain kind of um, moment going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just fun. Yep. That's too good, man. Um, One of the things that really shines in this show really uh, are, yes, the performances. Uh, besides your you know, spectacular portrayal of Kung Lao, oh we also had some uh, great performances from the main cast and beyond. Uh, but in terms of the main cast... Uh, can you share with us some good times that you've had working with these very fine people? Oh Just a goodness. few that come up to your head. Yeah, I mean, the my favorite story is is actually the first day of work that we had, um, and uh, and we didn't all. I don't know if we all met that you know same day. I think we were just. It was one of the first few days that we were working, and I, I was working with uh, with Bruce uh, Locke. Uh, who played Shang Tsung? Um, because it was the tournament, right? It was the. Oh, that was the first we scene you shot, right? or it was one of the first she- scenes that we did. Um, because you know, it, it's shot, it's shot out of order, but it was in you know it's within the first episode of it. And uh, I told, I told Bruce backstage, you know, on the sound stage as we were passing and all, I said, "Hey, hi, I'm Paolo. So nice to meet you. Couldn't be a friendlier guy. Big smile. I said, so, so nice to meet you. I said." Hey, look, man. Um, since uh, since we're playing like mortal enemies, I do you think it'd be okay if like we didn't actually interact with each other? You know, unless we're actually like in front of the camera, because you know, I just want to make sure that we have that that mortal enemy thing yeah. playing throughout the series. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, okay, man. Yeah, yeah. What am I? My shoulder is a shake. He's like, come on. Oh, man. Wow. Was, uh, yeah. 
That's the first and only time I got Bruce Locke. <laughs> great guy, great guy. But yeah, um, yeah. It, honestly, every every single day was a pleasure to work with all of them, uh, the core group. Uh, we would assemble in every single time we got a new script, which we would get while we were shooting the old script. We would assemble in my dressing room, which was. It's not that it was bigger than everyone else's because it wasn't. That we all had the same ones. It's just that it was closest to the set. You know oh. what I mean? So yeah, yeah, so we could like just duck out and then you know go over lines for either the episode that we were in or or read through the um, script of the of the next episode. Uh, I just missed that. I missed I missed those times the most um, because you know it was, that was that was really the only times that we uh, would see each other during those days as a group. You know what I mean? Because oftentimes they'd pull us off to action unit or we'd be shooting scenes. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere. But we did, we would hang out with each other because we, we were all down in Orlando and we, and once the episodes started airing and they started airing while we were still shooting, uh, we would watch them all together sometimes over at my place. <laughs> and it was fun. It was fun. It was cool. cool. You used to keep in touch with any of them, pal? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I've, text uh, Bruce and Jeff sometimes. I had a com really nice conversation with Kristana last oh. year. Uh, uh, there was like a possibility that we might work together on another film, but unfortunately oh. scheduling didn't work out. Oh. Um, that would have been so dope. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would honestly love for like a, a reunion of sorts, even if like, like a can you host one of those? Could you do one of these? Could you do like a multi-panel reunion on your uh, I could. Podcast? Matter of that'd fact, be... I was thinking about starting it up. Uh, Jeffrey Meek was already in, so. Yeah, that would be so cool. Maybe yeah. for the 25th anniversary hey. of Mortal Kombat Conquest. Try and make it relevant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's do it. Yeah. Now, throughout this podcast, we've heard some awesome stories like uh, Kristana being fearless and throwing snakes on set. <laughs> Bruce constantly getting pranked by the crew, and uh, everyone scared of Jeffrey, as you've already mentioned. Um, do you have any uh, outright hilarious moments to share, which perhaps made you maybe even break character? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes and no. I mean, like, it's something that I... I so it was it was during one of those like hive sequences uh, ah, towards yes. the end. Remember with Kriya, Kriya and the hive, and it was an outdoor shoot, and like they they built this kind of like hive thing, like waspy giant wasp thing on the ground or ant hill thing, yeah, in the ground, and and uh, I don't know, it was just it was one of the I knew it was going to be one of the last um, episodes of that season. So I was like, you know, I, I never mess around on set. Like, let me just do something and like. Kung Lao's supposed to come out and he's he's supposed he's supposed to see something that just so horrific. So yeah. so horrific in that hive. So so I asked uh, one of the, the craft service people if they could get me some milk and and like I drank a little milk, cut a little milk in my mouth and got out of the hive and and then I I, I puked the milk out of my mouth because I was <laughs> so while they were rolling. And listen, you would not do that today because it costs so much money to to shoot film, yeah. um, even digital film, I mean, just the time, you know, like I would not, I would never waste, you know, the production crew's time and the production's money pranking yeah. like that. Um, 
these days, but Wild West, man. It was like, well, and we were a family. The entire crew was a family and it was a lot of fun. So that That's was weird. my, um, that was, that was my one, my one, my one prank that I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what were some of the, um, funny things that you heard from the set? Um, well, you know what? Bruce told us so many. Bruce really did. Um, he said, uh, one time when they were uh, doing sort of like a close-up shot, uh, the guy who um, took control of the camera, he was getting a little too close to Bruce. And uh, then Bruce, he just kind of looked and he was like, he had that, oh shit moment. And it almost bunked him right in the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another episode, Dead to the Dragon. Um, I don't know if you remember the character named Jola. Uh, she kind of had like these dragon powers. Anyway... Um, Shang Tsung's character sort of had this romance, uh, with her back in the day. They finally meet up and in the show, they actually, uh, sort of <laughs> have like this makeout session. And okay. so when they were filming this, um, Bruce was like, this is going on way too long. What's going on? <laughs> and so he finally just broke character. He looked, everyone was gone from behind the camera. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Why have I not never heard about these pranks that were going on? <laughs> yeah, Kung Lao was not called that day. <laughs> Love it. That's yeah. so cool. That's hilarious. That's great. That's actually pretty good. That's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, did Larry or anyone else on set ever talk about uh, maybe a possible wardrobe cha uh, wardrobe change amongst filming? Taja and Ciro uh, would have some slightly different attires as the show went on. Tracy Douglas, who we've had on the show, had even actually shared with us that uh, a whole new look was uh, slated to take place where she ha ha actually had like a velvet color. Uh, wow. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, was it ever on the table to uh, do something new or just bring back Kung Lao's look from the pilot episode again? I mean, that would have that been so much fun, honestly, <laughs> to, to come back with that. And wield the hat, but it, you know, honestly, in this Florida sun, that probably would have been really, really hot. <laughs> but beyond that, um, I actually think the the reason, and I'm I'm thinking from a storytelling type uh, point of view, I think the reason why they kept Kung Lao in his very um, uh, standard monk wear is so that he would be an anchoring force, you know, an anchoring character in the series that. The viewer could count on looking the same every week. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And yep. they'd be like, okay, at least Kung Lao, there's, there may be some crazy stuff going on, but at least Kung Lao is, is Kung Lao and we can depend on good old Kung Lao. He's going to do the right thing. And he's going to wear those Winnie the Pooh pants. And he's going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm going to call them that all the time now, Paolo. Well done. They're Winnie the Pooh pants. I mean, if you look at him, Winnie the Pooh pants. Um... And it was also it was also a, a good costume for them to for the the for all the various stunt doubles to, to fit into, despite their the different builds. Yeah. On them. Oh, very good. Um, I think I think I mean yeah. I'm probably sure Larry had a a more ingenious reason for for having him in that in that outfit all that time. Um, but yeah, I I was hoping at least one more. One more opportunity to don the um, the the iconic Kung Lao uh, outfit from the from the tournament. Um, I often wonder where where that costume is. 
Ah. It's somewhere like sitting in some hard rock cafe somewhere in Abu yeah. Dhabi or something like that. Who knows? Oh, like I'm friends with Larry and, and I asked him, I'm like, hey man, is there absolutely anything at all, anything from the set that you're willing to sell, man? Because I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, like, exactly. Conquest exactly. is such a huge part of my life, man. I uh, would, I would. And thank you so but, much for, for letting yeah. us be a part of your life and and also for uh, for keeping the memory of our our show uh, you know healthy and alive throughout these uh, these many years. Really, really, truly, truly do appreciate it. And now that it's on uh, Max because they, Max. they they just called it, you know, they just re- rebranded it. Now that it's on Max, everyone can go check it out anytime they want to. Yes, um, uh, I know you have an incredible busy schedule did you by chance happen to uh watch a few episodes as it came to max or anything like that oh absolutely absolutely (laughs) as soon as it hit hbo max oh it's fantastic and i was i was really 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 impressed with Still holds up still holds up great storytelling great writing i mean you know it's episodic writing right i mean there's like a quest uh every episode but i loved that there was a through line and you know you uh characters from the past would come back and and uh the storylines would intertwine uh, it was really really fantastic writing yes sean um, catherine derrick did such a splendid job actually oh, yeah. did yeah. You know? yeah um okay so considering you watched a, a decent amount do you have a favorite episode or favorite moment from the series um you want to know something? I actually, I actually started watching the show to see not the not just the scenes that I was in, which would seem like the obvious answer, right? I wanted to see what everybody else was doing, um, and they were so good. They were yes. all so good in with in in all of their storylines and and Daniel's. Listen, Daniel. Uh, we all know that Daniel was probably the best martial artist you know main character uh actor on the set hands down right yeah but some of the stunts that he was doing like just head to toe jumping flying kicks come on daniel so good (laughs) so good and christana you know christana was i believe she was 18 or 19 when she shot that right The maturity and detail that she brought to her character at such a, a young age. I know that she was in a lot of, uh, she'd done a lot of TV and, and on-screen work beforehand, but so impressed, so impressed with yes. what she did. And then seeing seeing Jeff, Jeff switch between Raiden and Shao Kahn on the daily, literally on the daily yeah. episode. And... For for a long time, I, I don't think some people knew that that was the same actor, uh-huh. and I, I thought that was the that was the best. Do they do that anymore? Do they do that anymore? I mean, not on so that much level, on TV on that on that uh-huh. level, you know, not so yeah, much. Yeah, and uh, obviously Bruce uh, Bruce playing the. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna say it right here. It is a thankless role to play the the villain who gets you know who gets the cake served to him at the end. Of every episode, and he just keeps coming back for more, and he keeps coming with redoubled efforts. And he, yep. you know, I mean, you believe that one day he's gonna get his due. And guess what? In the movie, 
he gets his due, finally. <laughs> it only took about 23, 24 years, but yeah, he finally wins. Uh, vengeance aside, my favorite episode in Conquest, uh, I'm going to say, would be uh, number five. It's called The okay. Essence. Uh, okay. This one had a very engaging story uh, with Princess Kitana, played mm -hmm. by the beautiful uh, Dara Tamanovich. Uh, in my opinion, she was the best Kitana we've ever had in Mortal Kombat, period. Uh, her unique chemistry with both you and Jeffrey Michelle Khan was just sensational. I have the utmost respect for Audie England, uh, but, but Dara really brought something that was incredibly atmospheric and memorable. Tell our audiences how it was working with Dara on this episode, and uh, maybe if by small chance you happen to know why she didn't return later on. Um, I'll, let me ask the uh, answer the the second part of the question first. I have no idea why she yeah. she didn't she never came back. Um, because she was she was truly fantastic, and the role she she brought. And you know, I, when I say exotic, it's not her ethnicity that that she brought. She she brought it's not an ex exotic eth ethnicity that she brought to the role. She brought an exotic quality. It was literally an otherworldly quality to the role. Yes. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, exactly. It was what you literally otherworldly. And I think that's just her. Uh, it, it, I think that's just her essence. <laughs> no. no, but no, oh. seriously, it really is. I think she, as a person, she had an otherworldly quality to her. Super mm -hmm. friendly. Uh, definitely rooted in this world. She wasn't like woo-woo in the you know, in, in the mystical arts, you know, on the set or anything like that. Um, but she, yeah, there was just a, a mysticism uh, about her as a person that she brought into the role. Um, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was, it was actually, it was, it was enthralling to act off of. And then when you saw it on screen, it was, it was, it was mind blowing, really great. Yeah, it definitely was, and I think uh, Jonathan Sloat uh, did such uh, a, an amazing job with the music. It complemented that whole episode uh, perfectly. Uh, do you have any uh, particular good memories with her on set? Or? Um, did we have any particular... No, no, there, there, was, there was one particular good memory offset. Um, uh, it was... Uh, I don't know, I think we were like having lunch or something like that, you know, in the commissary area, like wherever we, where we ate. Cause oftentimes, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to really get to know the, um, the guest, guest artists because come loud, come over here, come loud, get over there. <laughs> um, and she was just, she was just a really deep person. You know what I mean? Mm. Just a really deep person inside too. So I think. Maybe that's part of the uh, the otherworldly depth that we're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah, she, she, she's very, very kind. I've spoken with her a few times. Ah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So did so when you spoke to her, um, did you get that too? Did you get the... Um, what Did she only... What I'm asking you is, did she only bring that otherworldly quality on camera or did she have that? Like the way that I remember it in person. No, I felt that. I felt that the same way you did, my friend. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Very, very great um, presence to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were there ever any scenes you can remember filming that didn't end up in the final product? Oh, 
Um, uh, yeah, yes, yes, I do. I do remember it. And you know, this is the, this is just how TV and film work, right? You do multiple takes and you wonder if it's ever going to make the cut. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then it doesn't. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I did all that work for the storytelling. Right. And that's when you have to get your ego out of the way and say, okay, this makes better storytelling. And one of, one of those moments was, uh, when Jen died, right. Yep. Um, Kung Lao's girlfriend, uh, Jen, she died and, and, you know, as the actor, instinctually, I was like, oh, I got to get emotional for this. I have to not not get, get emotional, but, you know. Well, I mean, the there, love of your life There were tears, died. the love of my life. I was going to marry her. And yeah, and uh, my worst fears came true. But, you know, the nightmares came true. She 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 died. She she came back as a as a, a spirit. Um, yeah, uh, so so I I cried. So there were tears shed on that shooting day, and it didn't make the cut. It was they actually used a more stoic kind of yeah. This now uh, looking this back right on it there. now, yes, that's yes, you was, in that scene. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's you in that scene. <laughs> that's it, Marcus. So, so for for those of you who are only listening to this, Marcus is pointing to a T-shirt where it shows. Kung Lao right in the middle and with his head kind of stoically bowed uh, when his girlfriend is killed by uh, a scorpion. Uh Um, And I understand why the director did that now. I understand now why Larry chose that take instead because they... And I've seen it. I've seen it a lot now. I've seen it a lot now, and, and especially in the superhero franchises, right? The great superheroes, they, the reason why they keep moving forward is usually from some kind of traumatic, trauma, traumatic event that happens. And I think this is one of the traumatic defining events. And I think if Kung Lao shed a tear at that moment, then it's there's a weak weakness there but also it's harder for him to come back immediately and and that kind of deep you, you point to yourself i thought you're pointing like it's actually going internally into himself like i'm going to remember this for the rest of my life and this is what's going to drive me forward for the rest of my life this moment yeah and also part of the fact that he's a monk and he knows that at some point, you know, everything is one and that he'll be reuni- reunited with her sometime in the future. And that's one of those those problems about being the Mortal Kombat champion is that maybe he won't ever get that moment to reunite with her. Yeah. You know, because he's always going to live generation after generation. You know, another great episode was uh, Unholy Alliance, where uh, you're sort of trapped in this dream world. And Jen is there, and you think it's real. I thought that was so good. Yeah, it was really fantastic to have Jennifer Renton back yes. uh, with the company. Um, we actually thought she was going to stay. We, I mean, she really did feel like family. I mean, I know it was, I know it was written in the in the script that she was <laughs> that she would, right. she would no longer be with us. But uh, but she she I could have seen her really 
becoming a big part of the Mortal Kombat family because she just fit in just great with the rest of the actors. Uh-huh. You've worked with some great uh, Canadian actors as well in your career, uh, represent. Uh, from the likes of Victor Garber on Cinderella. Yeah, my on-screen dad. Come on. <laughs> in the a of Titanic. No big deal. Oh, hold on a second. I, just, I know this is not Mortal Kombat related, but uh, while, while we were shooting, um, this is Victor Garber related, while we were shooting uh, Cinderella, Rogers and Hammerstein, Cinderella together. Yeah. Um, I said, so, you know, have you been, like, we, we were talking about things that we'd worked on, and this was before I had worked on Mortal Kombat. I, I just finished doing a Broadway show called The King and I. And um, he said, well, I said, what have you been up to? He said, well, I just finished shooting this uh, this movie in mexico um and they had us they had us on hold and for those of you who don't know what that means it means like you're not actually sh- shooting anything but they have you on hold that means that you stay in the shooting location in the hotel or you know in the area and you're on hold so they can call you to the set at any time you know yeah. that, that they deem fit while they're shooting but he said this this went on for months and months, and I was there for five months past the time that I should have been scheduled, and we were shooting in this giant water tank, and I don't know. I don't know if this movie's ever going to get done. That movie was Titanic. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was released like six months later. How crazy. Uh, the Victor Garber's uh, credit, he didn't say that it was Titanic. He, yeah. <laughs> he stuck to his NDA if they had those back then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Canadians, you've, on Conquest, actually, you worked with um, Alexander Walters on uh, Twisted Truth, episode 13. Uh, that's the episode with Tomas, who was originally mm-hmm. supposed to be in the MK tournament. I didn't, know, s- I didn't know he was Canadian. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, how was it working with them, man? I mean, that that episode had such a shocking ending and uh you know another cool thing about that episode really is that i think it's interesting how they really showed that um you know even some of these main characters like kung lao can still have flaws they can be wrong uh because that ending was just like whoa yeah and uh this added a lot of realism i find and believability to the to your character Mm. Uh, so yeah tell tell us about it Paolo. yeah i mean he was he was he was like uh he was even though he was he was only in that ep- one episode, he, yeah. he was so specific with what he was bringing that you felt like he was one of the main characters in the yes. series. You know what I mean? So when that that loss happens, it's a real gut punch to the to the uh, to the audience, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was fantastic. You you guys in Canada are are feeding uh, your, your people some. Very powerful, powerful, <laughs> strong, artistic stuff. Oh, that's too good, fellow. That's too good. Uh, of course, I have to ask this. Literally, everyone was completely shocked when Conquest didn't get picked up for season two. Woo! Let's uh, talk about well, that, Marcus. How much yes. time do you have? <laughs> uh, there was actually a roadmap laid out. And as all the fans know, the proper ending consisted of Kung Lao's uh, demise uh, yes. by the hands of Goro. Right. Uh, the show was sort of insinuating that when you could see the Shokan in his dreams. Yes. Did you hear any additional uh, any additional details 
of what was to happen to Kung Lao in season two? And how did you react upon his cancellation? Absolutely not. I, as far as like getting details of what was going to happen, I actually maybe got details. The only, only way that I was able to get details about what would happen in season two is actually going through the forums of people who had either been in contact with Larry or, or the writers, um, or maybe it was, as uh, you know, what the fans wanted, but it, that does sound like it would have, it would have tracked. So what I picked up later on, this was years later, yeah. is that, um, they would have found a way back, obviously from, from Outworld and then eventually would have had to have, you know, Kung Lao would have had to have gone into the tournament. Um, and I know that that had to happen because that's, that's the, that's the lore of the lore. Of, and we had to be true to the lore. And I think it would have been perfect, honestly, if they, even if they just had one season, it could have been a two season thing. Even it really one could more. have been one more season. Yeah. It could have, it could have, um, uh, worked out really nicely for everyone yeah. <laughs> involved. Uh, as to my reaction to to it being canceled, it was it was confusion, befuddlement. Uh, I had actually extended my lease uh, at the apartment down in Florida because I thought we were coming back in a few months. Um, I was able to get out of it, you know, fine. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just like, so what's going on? <laughs> Are we yeah. gonna get back to it? Because otherwise, I would have, I'd have been like, I'm taking this, I'm taking this with me, I'm taking, taking those Winnie the Pooh pants, that monk shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, and we unfortunately never got a chance to properly say goodbye, 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 as uh, family. And when I say family, not just the cast, but also the the crew, including yes. the, the production crew, it would have been nice to to have had some kind of closure uh with everybody um everyone did end up like going on to do some incredible stuff so i was uh -huh. very 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 proud of them and rooting from the sidelines all the time for every single one of them but yeah it was it was it was sad <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i was i was i was like ah oh, that's a that's a bummer because it was yeah it was also like i felt bad for the fans too because i felt like they needed closure to the series um and to leave it on a an, such an obvious cliffhanger because you just can't if you're gonna kill them off kill them off spectacularly not with like <laughs> some beast master you know bat type of monster yeah. type things that engulf you um yeah so yeah i mean as you can see it and you can hear my voice it's it's all coming back and it's a uh, it's very it's uh, it was it was a shame. It was a shame, and I still have hopes. Honestly, I still have hopes that uh, because they've rebooted the movie franchise, that they can that they can extend the multiverse out, so they can retroactively complete the storyline. Now, whether that be with the live actors, which would be ideal, or maybe in an animated spinoff or something like that. Um, you know, they're doing some incredible things with animation these days and they can do it really fast and on a good budget. Uh, and wouldn't it be nice if we used the original voices of oh, the man. original cast? <laughs> Tell me about it. No AI yeah. chat GPT there. It's some real, <laughs> real actors 
voicing their talents. Hey, man. Um, gonna put uh, that out there. <laughs> when we had Larry Kasanoff on the show not too, too long ago, he actually asked us at the end of the episode, mm. uh, he asked the fans, he said, so if you uh, wanted sort of like, uh, like a, a solo show, or if you wanted somebody really bad to come back from Conquest, uh, who would you like to, to be concentrated on? Tell us who you'd like to see. Mm. So it's almost like, wow, you know, there's there's a glimmer of hope. He, he yeah. might still make something. Absolutely. Um, Listen, I really think this is a this is a really great time for for this franchise because now more than ever, there's a uh, an actual dialogue between the fans and the studios and the executive producers, um, and I really think they're listening to what the fans want. So if you guys want us back. Bring us back. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, how, yeah. When you were actually filming Vengeance, um, do you remember, like, in terms of the script, were you incredibly, incredibly confused? Because Bruce told us that they were rewriting like crazy. He, he really didn't know what was going on. And um, uh, furthermore, I know you, you mentioned that you know everyone was going to come back originally for season two but like how because it clearly did seem like they died uh do you did you hear if maybe the elder gods would have reversed everything that had happened yes right so that was one of the things that i read in the forums is that the, that's exactly what it was that um uh raiden would have found some loophole you know with what with how that was pulled off you know with how the um uh, the takeover was was um, orchestrated um, and presented his case to the Elder Gods, and the Elder Gods would have done this one-time kind yeah. of rewind, reboot um, on bringing our heroes back uh, with probably some kind of side quests in order to fulfill <laughs> those conditions. Otherwise, they get instantly, you know, turned into dust, you know. <laughs> I'm just... Just playing this up at the top of my head right now. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we all want you back, man. We all want you back. And so my question to you is, uh, considering, you know, the Mortal Kombat 2021 film was huge, huge. huge. They're, they're talking about maybe spinoff shows, but obviously there's going to be sequels. Uh, after Joe Taslam confirmed, there's still uh, another four movies that he signed for. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a well, lot ahead. He's, yeah. He's going to be around oh. with Warner Brothers for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so my question to you, Apollo, is if they asked you um, for uh, whether it just be like a flashback scene or even your own series as the great Kung Lao, would you do it? Would you be willing to shave that head bald? Would you be willing to wear the accurate costume? Tell us. Abso-freaking-lutely. Are you kidding me, Marcus? I've been waiting for this moment all my life. Oh. I've been waiting for all my life. And and I know the great Kung Lao better than anyone else out there. So, I mean, Yo. I lived with him for 22 episodes, is, is what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I would, I would love to be a part of the Mortal Kombat franchise once again in any capacity. Honestly, when I saw, uh, if I don't remember, know if you remember in the movie, when they were in the, was it the temple or something like that? Raiden's you, temple? Was it Raiden's temple? And then, you know, they they see like different images on the walls of like, yeah, right, of, of different you Mortal Kombat's uh, past. And you see Kung Lao, the great Kung Lao being torn apart by Goro. Uh -huh. Come on. 
We have to have that. We've got to have that moment. Everybody wants to see yeah. it. Yeah. Everybody wants oh, to see it. Who, That's who right. Does, who doesn't love a good uh, evisceration, you know? <laughs> That'd be pretty memorable scene. Yeah, oh, pretty memorable. It'll, it'll look great on my reel. <laughs> uh, now, Offset of Conquest, uh, Bruce Locke sort of described you as the social director oh. when it came to <laughs> some... <laughs> When it, came, when it came to some fun gatherings and yeah. plans outside of work, uh, yes. could you elaborate with us on some of these great get-togethers and the memories that will never fade away? Oh, right. Um, so it was, it was mostly because, honestly, it was mostly because Bruce and Jeffrey um, lived near a golf course, so they did a lot of golfing. And you can't do a lot of partying uh, together on a golf course. Um, uh and Kristana was in the uh, was staying in the hotel with her dog, with Buddy, um, and so I actually had the best uh, apartment condo, the biggest one that was that would be able to hold a lot of people. Uh, okay. in it. And I love to cook, so oh. I would have every, everyone over, and I'd cook for them, and we would watch. Like I said, we we get up and we'd watch, you know, an early afternoon showing of Mortal Kombat. Wow. And we cook, and um, uh, I think we'd gone to, to we must have gone to Disney Disney World a, a couple of times be, together because we shot on the set of Disney World, so I'm sure we did that. Um, I, I just I just like seeing all of us out together, but because like I said before, um, our schedules were so different, and uh, you know, uh, Bruce and Tracy uh, Douglas. Were always in an outworld, and they were never, never really in Earthrealm for the most part, except for a couple of times. Um, so I did like bringing them together that way. I guess I was social director, Julie, your cruise director. <laughs> well, yeah, and of course, I'm surprised I didn't ask this. Um, uh, Max Wong's represent uh, sort of uh, depiction of Kung Lao. Did you get a kick out of it? Oh, not only did I get a kick out of it, I thought he did a fantastic job. I did. And I thought he did an incredible job, and I thought, I think what Max Wong has is that is kind of like what Daniel has. He's a great actor yes. in in the in the role that he plays, but he also can pull off the martial arts seamlessly with his character. Um, so yeah, I I was like finally a uh, a modern Kung Lao modern day Kung Lao that we, that pe people can be like, oh yeah, Kung Lao's the coolest character. Because everybody, everybody fanboys over Scorpion and Sub-Zero, but Kung Lao's where it's yeah. at. Don't sleep on Kung Lao. Don't sleep on Kung Lao. You said it right, my friend. You said it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bruce and Jeffrey both shared with us mm. that there was a small side project in the works involving you. Uh, oh. which consisted of sort of a Mortal Kombat parody uh, with Shao Kahn, Shang Tsung, and Kung Lao all playing a very <laughs> crucial card game of Go Fish. <laughs> Is this still possibly in the works? Be uh, because we haven't heard an update for quite some time. Yeah, I, I actually haven't heard about it for a while either, but it, it's obviously something that can be done quickly and easily-ish. Uh, it's just a matter of like, pulling up green screens and uh finding the right i don't know if bruce said that would he'd be able to edit it together uh but it's it's a i guess it's a pretty easy simplistic 
script to, to pull off. And I think it'd be for the fate of Earthrealm. <laughs> Go fish! <laughs> Go fish. It's just like, you know, and you have like Kung Lai going, not this time, right? <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> I choose um, my own destiny. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, oh, man, there's, you're there's so me, many, man. so many ways we can go with it, right? Yeah, like he said, you guys shot some footage. Um, it's just that the problem he had was uh, sort of the backgrounds; they were all different, right? So it was yeah. hard to sort right. of match it and the lighting, right? Um, but he said you guys were all in character. But like, did you have sort of like a replica costume? Like, how did that work out? Well, okay, so I don't know if you knew this, the costume that i wear or at least the shirt that i wear the one that's on your uh, the upper left hand corner of your t-shirt yes yeah i wore that to my audition i wore that shirt to my auditions i have that shirt not that particular shirt but they styled my costume off of the shirt that i wore in my auditions because i was thinking i was like a monk i gotta come in like orange robes i'm like well what am i what would a monk wear? And what do I have that looks like a monk? Because <laughs> that's what you do when you audition for something. You kind of dress like in the vein of the of the character, right? And I have that shirt. It's a linen shirt with a Chinese collar buttoned down. A little loose because it was the late 90s, right? So everything was a little oversized. Um, and yeah, that's... So when <laughs> he styled it off of my audition shirt, I was like, What? So, that, so that's what I used for that. Yeah. Wow, now that is something new. Mm. Cool. If you have me um, back for like a uh, like a multi-panel thing, I'll wear my shirt. Because I, like I told oh. you before, I don't have any of the costumes from the set sitting in okay. some hard rock cafe somewhere. <laughs> Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. I don't know. Now, outside of Mortal Kombat, uh, you sort of spoke about a little before. You played Prince Christopher. Yes. Um, from... Over 800 other auditions for the role uh, in Disney's TV film. Yeah. Uh, this was back in 97. Yes. Uh, and from that, you gained a, a very close connection to the African-American community as well. Yes. Uh, elaborate on a few of the important points from this incredible feature and how this became a pivotal part of your professional career. Um, all right. So uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought up the fact that it has deepened uh, and opened up a relationship with the African-American community that I never thought I would ever have. And even still to this day, I was literally coming out of work yesterday. I'm currently doing Funny Girl on Broadway. And I stopped by my favorite pizza place on the way home. It was about 10, 15 at night. And as I'm leaving the, the pizza joint, uh, an African-American gentleman, uh, you know, kindly stops and he says well, listen i'm so sorry to, to to interrupt your evening but i know who you are and the work that you've done and i just want wanted to say thank you so much for being a part of of a project that meant so much to a community being seen um and and that was the african-american community that's the asian-american community that's all the different ethnic communities uh, because it was, you know, that Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, a television movie, was a truly movie for, for all all cultures. Um, yeah. And um, he was there with his students. He had like twenty students from the West Coast, and we all took a picture together. And I'm telling you, Marcus, that 
happens that has been happening ever since the late 90s and that that doesn't just happen with rogers and hammerstein's that happens with mortal kombat conquest when you do something that touches people's lives and becomes core memories of their lives they end up going out and doing incredible things with their lives and passing it on to the next generation and that's there's no greater gift than that man no greater gift than that i hear you do you have any particular uh, fan encounters uh kung lao related that uh, really really stand out oh yeah yeah so um uh, to 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 that end uh honestly there are actually more people in europe that recognize kung lao yes. than in the united states can you explain yep. that to me why that is do you know how long it took for Mortal Kombat Conquest to come to DVD in North America? Uh, I, I, I yeah, don't understand. Yeah. I don't get it. But yeah. Europe, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's explosive. Huge. Yeah. Explosive over there. And so there, yeah. were, there are actually a lot of, you know, once I finally got on social media, uh, I discovered that there were a lot of European fans out there who had taken up martial arts because of Mortal Kombat Conquest, because for them... That was their core memory. Maybe not necessarily Kung Lao, but just because of yeah. the series, right? And what the what the series stood for. Um, so, yeah, that was that was really cool to find out, you know, secondhand years later, um, that that we were part of changing people's lives in that way. Because martial arts changes a person's everything, right? It it yes. changes the their work ethic it changes their confidence it changes the way they move through the world changes the way that they interact with people changes with the way that they that they are affected by things in their life um and so i don't know and just being on the outside edge of that influence means a lot to me wonderful uh, i know you've played uh the prince going back to that yeah probably more than any other actor in history i think but, so <laughs> but how was it returning as the character for a reunion on film for uh descendants rise of red for disney plus uh marcus um i only had a few days to shoot on that film and uh working with brandy felt oh. like it felt like what does it feel like it felt like i told you this i said it's it's like coming home to family that you haven't seen in a long time so it's as if we had this shorthand of working with each other and it's a good thing too because they were trying to squeeze a lot of shots in to our our day and it was an exterior shot they only had the location for one day and it was raining and it was foggy and so there there were multiple takes of of our scenes and i don't think that either of us would have been able to do it with with other actors i mean we would have done it but w would it have been as much fun probably uh -huh. not uh would it have been as easy and safe that's what it felt like for me i felt safe working with her again um and i hope she did too uh, working with me um would it felt as safe probably not i don't know but it was it was really it was really cool to to don the character of prince uh, the pr prince charming now king charming and to know what happens after the happily ever after, right? Because this yeah. this particular story of uh, Descendants Rise of Red focuses on the 
children of uh, Cinderella and uh, King Charming and the and the daughter of the Queen of Hearts. Those are our main two protagonists of, of the movie. Um, I, I think it's going to be really a, a lot of fun for the, the fans out there. Of Absolutely. All, all, all the fans of not just like the Brandy and and uh, Brandy Cinderella, but of also the, um, you know, the Prince Charming uh, Cinderella uh, spinoff, I guess, sequel. Yeah, actually, I think it was, it was your Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, I saw a video of when you guys first met up mm. all those years later. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite emotional. It, it was really very sweet, was. man. It really was. It was very it's, sweet. Yeah. And it's it's always so odd that they're able to capture those moments on camera. <laughs> Once you're a little, little exposed, you're like, oh, the camera's over there, but this is what I'm really feeling. So I'm not yeah. going to look cool. Uh, so <laughs> might as well not try to, you know. Uh, you keep extremely active to this very day yeah. with productions. Uh, can you tell us about uh, some other uh, future projects that people can look forward to or anything you got going on right now? Right, right. So right now I'm currently playing Florenz Ziegfeld, the famous uh, Broadway impresario from the nineteen early 1900s um, in uh, Funny Girl, starring Leah Michelle as Danny Bryce. Um, and that'll be on Broadway till September 3rd come on by i always make sure to uh stop by the uh, sorry uh i always make sure to stop by the um stage door and 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 sign everyone's program whether they like it or not <laughs> and take <laughs> pictures um but also uh there there are a couple of, of other things in the works uh, this uh musical movie about a filipino american uh family um called the girl who left home uh was is recently newly in just got its uh, distribution deal so you'll be ah. able to stream that very soon i want to say starting in in may uh okay. so you can start streaming that online and it'll probably like show up on one of the the streaming services or or maybe in a, at an airplane uh <laughs> near you um and earlier last year i shot this movie with Dante Bosco, and I don't know if you guys know who Dante Bosco is, but he's both, he played Rufio in uh, Hook, starring Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman as Hook, and he played he played the iconic Rufio, the leader of the Lost Boys, um, and he also plays Prince Zuko, the, he's the voice actor for Prince Zuko on Avatar, uh-huh. and we shot a rom-com last year, and the rom-com is called Asian persuasion, and we shot it in New York, and it's about a guy, uh, Dante's character, who's who's getting a divorce, and he comes up with this idea to set his soon-to-be ex-wife up with a new suitor so that she can marry him, so he doesn't have to pay alimony. And I'm that guy, but on paper I look like Prince Charming. I've got a great, great job, finance job. You know, he's he, he's got his life together. Um, but he's terrible at dating. So Dante, he, he kind of pulls like a, a like a Roxanne number on him. He coaches me through the dates, and then uh, hilarity ensues. Um, and wow. that should come out sometime. I want to say next year too. Uh, so that and uh, Descendants: Rise of Red, I think, will be coming out twenty twenty four. So lots of stuff to okay. come out. Oh, and uh, next week, um, or maybe even this Friday. There's going to be a, a release of a new musical called Madame Clicquot. It's it's the uh, EP. It's a 
it's it'll be on Spotify and and other streaming services, Apple. Um, and I play uh, I play a guy named Louis Bon, and he's the, the distributor of uh, Vouve Clicquot, um, the champagne back when it was first uh, created many, many years ago, oh. 250 years ago. Um, yeah. So this is a lot of fun. So it's so a couple of things in the pipeline, a couple of things. And maybe, Sweet. hopefully, uh, a Mortal Kombat appearance in the future i'm just gonna put that out there <laughs> i'm just gonna put that out there in the universe make that make that happen it's funny me, me and my friends on twitter all the time we bring it up man we we, we gotta see it back it's just gonna happen yeah and um so fingers crossed there uh i, I believe you've even released your own self-titled album uh, in terms of music and and oh wait uh yeah actually I I think it came out a little earlier than that. That was like that might have been like two thousand three, two thousand four, probably two thousand four. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's my own self-titled album. If if you want to hear the dulcet tones, or the, I, I always say it's really good music to fall asleep to because it's very relaxing. <laughs> um, oh, that, that's that's also on it's also on Spotify and, and other streaming services. It's just Palomar. There we go. So check that out do if you're interested there we go man thanks a lot mark <laughs> thanks for the plugs the multiple plugs yeah i need a power strip for that so many plugs <laughs> love it okay man so we're gonna switch things up a little bit here we're gonna head to the last segment of the show and it is called final round so what we're gonna do on this final round is ask you some quick questions try to get to know you a little more so the first question being what are some of your secret talents? Uh, secret talents? Oh, I'm a massage therapist. I'm a certified massage therapist in the great state of California. What? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty good. I mean, I think I'm good. I don't know. Ask, ask the people that I've worked on. Uh, I no longer do it, of course, because you need a different license in, in New York. Um, oh, okay. And that's, that's a lot more hours than, than I have time for. So, uh, I mean, I still do it for, for friends every now and yeah. then. Like if they're hurt or injured or something like that, or I'll show them sure. a certain movie that they can do on themselves. Because um, I think that's yeah, it's important. It's important. It, it also was a great way to understand the human body better. So, Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other uh, fun hobbies? Uh, horseback riding. But I don't do that. Ah. I also don't do that so much anymore because uh, it, it was it was something I really loved doing when I lived uh, out out west or when I was down in Florida. Um, it's a little harder to get on a horse on the East Coast these days. It's a little <laughs> bit more of an elite sport in the Northeast. What was your very first job ever? My very first job ever was a bank teller at National Westminster Bank in Jersey City. I think I was 16 years old. I don't know. Damn. I don't know how or why they allowed someone so young to be handling money like that. But it was a summer <laughs> job. I, I don't know. Figured it out. That, so I still carry the the habit of arranging my bills in the same direction when when I count uh, them yes. out or store them. Wow, would you look at that? Yeah. Was it a was it a half decent experience? I know it was a great experience. Great experience. I loved yep. I loved being a teller. I thought it was it was great, except for the moments when you you so when you're a teller, and I'm sure the people who work in retail understand this. When you're dealing with cash, you have to prove out at the end of the day, and if your yeah. numbers didn't prove out, oh my gosh, 
that that that's that's the worst thing especially because it's the bank right you have to be able to yeah you got to make sure that those numbers line up somewhere and yeah that was that was the scary part but i like the people that i worked with i like it good uh, yeah that's the main thing it really is it really is do you have any favorite childhood memory favorite childhood memory uh, favorite childhood memory was living in New York City. We lived a block away from Lincoln Center uh, because my two aunts were attending Juilliard, which is part of Lincoln Center campus. Um, one for violin, one for piano. And I remember a day out for my sister and I would be running around Lincoln Center Plaza. And my dad, my dad, he's he's a bit of a He's a bit of an engineer hobbyist himself, um, rigged some harnesses for, for us. So I think he was like one of the first people that had like child leashes. So he, we'd like run out and just, oh, geez. you know, you'd have us on leash so we wouldn't like run away. Um, but I remember that. I remember it fondly. Wow. So Paolo, what's your favorite place to travel? Oh, huh. That's a great question. Um, all right, so I've had a few favorite places in in my life. Um, first one was Portland, Oregon. Then it was Santa Barbara, California. Then it was Hawaii, like all of Hawaii. Oh, man. Um, I also like Vienna a lot and Tuscany. Oh, I love Um I guess my favorite place to travel is a place I've never been to before. Oh, good answer. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Do I have a guilty pleasure? Uh, yeah. Okay. So my guilty pleasure is, is getting really, okay. So whenever I pick up a hobby, I get so into that hobby that like obsessive, like obsessive into the hobby. And so that's my guilty pleasure is that I I go a little bit excessive with, with things that I I'm like, oh, this is a, this is new and interesting and um, go to excess with it. And then I'm like, okay, I can move on <laughs> and and have a little bit more moderation in life. But uh, Well, I mean I guess the little hint there was uh we you know you'd occasionally skip class to play Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I I don't have time to play Mortal Kombat anymore. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> I miss it. Did you ever even for a few minutes play the newest one, MK11? Um, is that the newest one? I think the last last newest one that I played was was it was it an MK10 or nine? Oh, MKX. I'm sure. Yeah. MKX, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's it's brutal, man. Like oh, the yeah. X-ray fatalities. Ah, it's crazy. <laughs> this is a whole new world. I love it. You know, once again, the the certified massage therapist in me is like, ah, the human body. This is actually really accurate. What they're breaking here and what they're tearing apart. This makes sense. Well done. <laughs> and lastly, one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given. Huh. One of the best pieces of advice that I've ever been given Hmm. It's so funny because I feel like I'm the one who's always giving the advice. I guess. Okay. 
What's one of the best pieces of advice that I can give give people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd be more comfortable with that. Uh, sure. One of the best pieces of advice I can give people is whatever you want to do, whether it be your career or your passion or a hobby, do it, do it with the, with, with the utmost drive and persistence because everyone gets a chance. Everyone gets a chance in, in their lives. And if you do something well enough and persistently, you will be noticed. You will be noticed. Everyone gets their chance. Every single person. I mean, I like saying that to actors because I know a lot of actors feel like, oh, well, I just feel like I'm, I'm, you know, pounding my head against the wall and not getting anywhere. But just keep at it. Someone will, someone will see what you do and notice and find you. Like the way that You'll you have were found when we had our little conversation and you, you got to meet some of the, your greatest heroes in the Mortal Kombat uh, universe. They found you and, and now you are yeah, officially... Yeah, in Wichita. In Wichita. Uh, and now you are officially the favorite son of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Marcus, you are. You, oh, you are. I that's mean, so as, sweet. As far as like... I mean, when you say favorite son, we're talking about someone who, who keeps the tradition and the history alive and passes it on to others. Ahmed, well, thank you for the kind words, Paolo. That meant so much to me. Uh, Mortal Kombat is in my blood. And so, I mean, I mean, you're freaking Kung Lao, man. So they have you here. I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. Thank you. Well, the great Kung Lao, the great Kung the Lao. Great the great Kung The great Kung Lao. <laughs> Let's get that straight. <laughs> we didn't know better in the late night. It's right. <laughs> we only found out later that it was the great Kung yeah. Lao. I don't know. Uh, it's still like, I mean, like, honestly, my friends, it, during that time period, it would be weird if they were like, if like Taja and Siri would be like, hello, great Kung Lao. No, because he, can't. <laughs> he was just Kung Lao at the moment. You yeah. know, he didn't become That's great right. Kung Lao until, you know, he became history. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, uh, before we exit today, um, where can our listeners uh, follow you on social media? Yeah, so you can follow me. I think the thing that I'm most uh, active on social media is uh, Instagram, and it would be It's Paolo Montalban. That's I-T-S-P-A-O-L-O-M-O-N-T-A-L-B-A-N. Um, and uh, I started a TikTok account, and that's just Paolo Montalban. So look for me on those those two, and uh, see you see all soon. <laughs> that's awesome. Definitely, definitely going to monitor your career, man. I mean, from the sounds of it, you got so much stuff in the works. So I'm super excited myself, man. I'll always you support you. Thank you. Thank you, you. Know. Thank you so much, Marcus. Really loved being on your podcast. Thank you. Oh, that means so much to me. Kamidogu, man. It's good to have you. Well, uh, I hope you have a lovely day. I know you got a busy day ahead of you. So, um, yeah, you take care, my friend. All right. You take care too, Marcus. Lawless victory. And that's a wrap for today, friends. Be sure to follow Paolo on social media so you don't miss any great projects of his in the near future. I'm so very happy that this special has taken place. It'll always be a significant part of history for me. The fact that you guys hopped along for the ride means a great deal. I appreciate you being here. 
For all the MK Conquest diehards, be sure to check out some of our earlier episodes, as we've had a slew of the other actors on our show. It's been nothing short of a blast. Tell all your friends about the show. We'd really love to get this thing out there in the world. We've got some more great content on the horizon. You know how it goes. Have fun, stay safe, and stay flawless.